This is Pennsylvania Legacies, the podcast series from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. I'm Josh Rollerson. This month, we've been getting to know some of the people working in each of PAC's program areas, what they do, and why they do it. For some of us, it's very personal. Being outdoors and being in beautiful places is just who I am and has always been very grounding for me, and I can see how grounding it is for my own kids. Conservation Landscapes program puts PAC staff at the center of a web of relationships between state government, municipalities, and local conservation groups. We can bring people together and really get things done and take what DCNR's goals are and bring them together with the goals of the people who are actually living uh, and doing this work so the two can meet. PAC manages two of the state's seven conservation landscapes, and we're poised to add a third this year. Later, we'll hear from program manager Marla Papernick about the new Glacier's Edge landscape coming to Western PA in 2017. But first, a glance back at some of the week's headlines. Despite low prices and a slowdown in exploration and development, the Marcellus Shale is still by far the biggest shale gas play in the nation. December data from the U.S. Energy Information Administration show the Marcellus produced 18.3 million cubic feet of gas per day that month. For comparison, the second largest play in the U.S., the Permian Basin in Texas, yielded less than half that amount. State agencies anticipating another difficult budget season starting next month are still feeling the pinch from cuts in past years. And that affects Pennsylvanians who rely on those agencies, like the tens of millions who visit state parks each year. This year, those who stay the night will be digging a little deeper to pay camping fees, which, as of February 1st, will rise from $15 to as much as $25 a night. Non-Pennsylvania residents will pay as much as $30 a night. The Department of Conservation and Natural Resources is also raising fees for access to other state park facilities like swimming pools. Daily admission to the parks themselves, however, is still free. The State Fish and Boat Commission is expanding its trout stocking program to six more creeks across the state. Commission Director John Arway says they're building on the success of the existing program currently in effect in eight locations statewide. This year, PFBC will release a total of 4,500 large trout at a rate of up to 225 fish per mile of stream. The commission says that's comparable to what you'd find in any of the state's best wild trout waters. PAC's affiliate organization, the Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers, or POWER, will give out more than $60,000 in competitive grants to support paddling trips along the Commonwealth's rivers this year. Applications are now being accepted for the 2017 PA Sojourn Program, which sponsors more than 500 miles of river journeys each year in cooperation with local groups. Applicants can get up to $900 for a multi-day sojourn and up to $500 for a one-day outing. Applications are due February 24th. You can find the materials at facebook.com slash PA watersheds or on the PEC website at pecpa.org. Just look under the events tab. Skiers in western Pennsylvania have something to celebrate this winter, the reopening of Westmoreland County's Laurel Mountain Ski and Snowboard Area. The resort officially opened this month after being closed for more than a decade. It's thanks to a $6.5 million partnership between DCNR and Seven Springs Mountain Resort. The Laurel Highlands have gotten a modest sprinkling of snow in recent weeks, but the mountain's new snowmaking system will ensure there will be plenty of powder for the rest of the season. Laurel Mountain's been open to skiers in an unofficial capacity since late December. To 
2017 promises to be a big year for DCNR's Conservation Landscapes Program, with the addition of an eighth landscape area between Pittsburgh and Erie. PEC Program Manager Marla Papernick's involved in the process that will establish the Glacier's Edge landscape later this year. She currently manages the program in the Laurel Highlands. As we wrap up our series of staff check-ins, PEC President and CEO David Woodwell sat down with Marla to look at the year ahead for conservation landscapes. What's this idea of a conservation landscape? How does this work? Yeah, it's a really cool idea that uh, the state has embraced, I think, out of a national program where uh, an, an area is looked at not as a municipality, not as a county, not as a watershed, but but as a large swath of land that is all interrelated. There's seven across the state, and I work, as you said, in the Laurel Highlands, which is was the second formed after the flagship landscape, uh, the Pennsylvania Wilds, which is in the north-central part of the state. And the Laurel Highlands encompasses four counties, Fayette, Westmoreland, Somerset, and Cambria, and uh, an enormous amount of recreational and natural resources and an amazing group of people who are interested in conserving that area as well as promoting economic development um, in an organic way in that community. So when the state started putting together these approaches, the seven that are out there and their different sizes and all that fun, what, what do they try to get out of it? What's, what's everybody's goal? So the goal is to promote conservation and economic development in a partnership uh, and to look at, well, I, I would say that each landscape is a little bit different. Um, and it is, the goal is to embrace what is intrinsically part of a place and take what are conservation goals from the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources and match them up with what is organically what people, communities, organizations within that landscape want or need to see uh, happen for conservation, uh, land use, water protection, outdoor recreation. And in the Laurel Highlands, it's all of those things because it is such a large landscape. It's iconically a beautiful place and a place that's recognized for its outdoor recreation year-round. Yeah, so you got thrown into this a little over a year ago, and before that, there'd been a there'd been a lot of focus as it developed. Uh, that was a lot of work in Ohio Pile, a lot of work on the Laurel Ridge, making some connections, and really looking from Johnstown to Ohio Pile at what could be done, and that was a process that leveraged a bunch of millions of dollars of state and federal funding in times when there was a whole lot of money to go around. And that's not necessarily what's happening today with all those resources available. But you guys are now, I mean, this is now really looking at several distinct areas of activity. Right. So this landscape, it's in its second iteration, I would say. It's become an adolescent. And it is now, it used to be, as you said, based on the geography or the topography of the region and now is based on issue areas that include water restoration, uh, land conservation, infrastructure development, which can mean anything from preserving civilian conservation corps buildings to uh, organizing and orchestrating uh, region-wide or landscape-wide cellular coverage. And there's a tourism committee and a leadership committee and trails. Oh, cannot forget trails. That's a big one. And, and then a leadership group that's comprised of state, uh, 
personnel and leaders in those other su- subject areas sort of orchestrates the whole thing. So if there's a theme to a lot of this, it's it's really coordinating and bringing together a lot of partners. And, and, and that's across a lot of PECS work, no matter whether it's watershed-related energy or in the conservation landscapes. And the, the landscapes where we're playing this role are are the Poconos as well as the Laurel Highlands and hopefully also this other one going forward. But what, so you've got these groups and these committees. Are they, are these folks that are working together across the watershed? Are they folks who have worked together a lot in the past? What are these groups trying to do? So essentially like for the water group is a great example of a lot of people who know each other are working in their own areas, but don't necessarily have the time or the impetus to get together and share ideas and uh, look at the landscape holistically or from a, a bird's eye view. And so when they do get together, they find that there's a lot of cross-pollination and a lot of opportunity to share. For example, they are now looking at their river conservation plans. There are about 10 river conservation plans um, that were all written in the late 90s and early 2000s, or aughts, and establishing the priorities for the landscape out of those river conservation plans. So are they finding, are there a lot of projects in there that weren't done, a lot of projects that were done? Actually, amazingly, there were a lot of projects that were done. Um, And several groups, like the Loyal Hannah Watershed Association, are actually looking to update their plans. And DCNR is very much in favor of that, not starting from scratch, but updating their projects that are what, what are the main things that came out of all of those plans. So what kind of projects are these? So they can be everything from putting in boat launches to cleaning up a stream, AMD restoration, putting in a facility to restore water, supporting uh, cold water trout fishing, building a trail. So the it sounds like the groups have a lot that they already know they want to do and that the landscape is really giving them sort of a, a fabric in which to put all this. Is that fair? That's very fair. And uh, the first meeting we had, we came right out of the gate with a project that everyone wanted to do, which was related to economic development. And I've subsequently checked in with these groups, this group, because we've been meeting for about a year, sort of asking them, hey, is this is this worth it? Is this worth your time? And unanimously and enthusiastically, they all said, yes, we, we want to get together. We want to talk about these things. And we say we're going to but we wouldn't if you didn't facilitate it or if you didn't work to bring us together. So that's some of the sort of the so what of why this thing works. So the Because I yeah. think if you look at how DCNR has done these across the seven landscapes, whether it's the wild South Mountain here in the Lehigh and the Poconos, that it's really been these areas where DCNR has had a lot of resource in most cases, and that they've tried to figure out how to get outside their boundaries and work with others in the community, get outside the silos of the parks and forests primarily. But they've also got the, the Bureau of Recreation and Conservation putting money. So the, the so what seems to be it's actually getting stuff done on the ground. Yes. DCNR has established goals and initiatives. They have people who are hardworking and very busy going around implementing very specific plans. Having an organization like PEC that is about bringing people together and cooperation, we don't have a side. We can bring people together and really get things done and take what DCNR's goals are and bring them together with the goals of the people who are actually living 
uh, and doing this work so the two can meet. So the organic part comes up and the programmatic long-term goals come down and meet in the middle and, and we're at that apex. So technically it's called an external lead, but in a lot of ways it's really matchmaker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Okay. I'm so, changing my cards. But and as this goes along, I mean, one of the things that's worked, if you look at the wilds, a lot of a lot of the impetus behind the wilds was saying that there was this amazing resource of, I think it was close to two million acres of public land up there, uh, through northern Pennsylvania to sort of bring it together and get people to think, and so that came up with visitor center issues and marketing and all these other pieces. The Laurel Highlands already has a lot of visitors. Are they coming? And there are, a lot are coming for outdoor recreation. So what's the tourism group looking at? Yeah, you're right. They're coming for skiing. They're coming for whitewater rafting. They're coming for mountain biking. People are coming from D.C., Pittsburgh, and even farther globally. So they're looking at how can we greet those visitors? How can we bring them into the Laurel Highlands and give them a sense of place and help them understand what the Laurel Highlands is, not just from a list of attractions or a list of parks or a list of trails, but how does that all go together and what can they do to make the most of their time? So the Laurel Highlands in Ohio Pile State Park already has a really amazing visitor center that is about interpreting the park and that landscape. It's a LEED certified building. It has, you know, wastewater treatment uh, prototype that people can look at, observe, and learn about. We're now looking at putting a visitor center in Donegal, which is one of the main uh, entries or gateways to the Laurel Highlands, so that when people come off the turnpike, uh, they can pull in and they can learn about the landscape and figure out how they want to use their time most effectively for their two or three or one day stay. When when you think about the Laurel Highlands, what it's got, you've got Flight 93, you've got the Horseshoe Curve, you've got the Allegheny Canal uh, Portage Railroad site, you've got Fort Necessity, you've got a slew of state parks from Ohio Pile to Laurel Ridge to Laurel Hill to Coozer, as well as lots of state forest, and nobody's really doing joint marketing or interpretation, are they? No. <laughs> so that's really the goal. Yeah. I mean, the goal is really get, to grab people as they get off the turnpike, as they start their effort here and let them know. Yeah, you, they know yeah. The, they know about falling water, right? Yeah. So it's to let them know what else they can do and to link those outdoor recreation facilities and great things with the towns that and, and the communities that are, that are also there, like Ligonier. All right, so we've been, we've been talking about this landscape and you know, getting out there. Why do you do this stuff? I love the outdoors. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time in the Laurel Highlands. I was skiing every weekend. I was rafting a lot. Being outdoors and being in beautiful places is just who I am and has always been very grounding for me. And I can see how grounding it is for my own kids. And I had this incredible thing fall in my lap where I had the opportunity to do this work, which capitalizes on my background, not just in tourism, but just in bringing people together and um, helping them move their own agendas forward and being creative about how to do that and to do it in a place where I grew up, which which I consider to be home um, in my heart. 
is an amazing opportunity. So I do it because I love being outdoors. I love seeing things done the right way from the people who really care and are committed. And it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to be able to do it. So what's going to come out of all this? What's going to come out of all of this in the Laurel Highlands? Yeah, what's, yeah, what's, what's the land, what's conservation landscape going to leave behind? Hopefully, it's going to leave behind, really, uh, to preserve what the Laurel Highlands is today in terms of an incredible uh, place to hike or camp or raft or bike while allowing the economy to grow for people in that region and to help those people create or partake in that economy. And many of those people have been doing vastly different things in their uh, lives and the world is changing. And there's there's some really significant opportunities for people who live in the Laurel Highlands to capitalize on what the economic opportunities are while hopefully ultimately preserving this place, this beautiful place for my kids and their kids and your kids. So you've also gotten to interact with folks from around the state on this stuff. Do you get the sense that the the conservation landscapes are all sort of singing from the same songbook or that each one is facing its own issues, challenges, and you know, trying to trying to reach the the same goals? I think it's remarkable how different they all are. Their characteristics are so different. The goals are similar, but the means to the goals are very different um, because the nature of the landscapes are very different. Yeah, and so this is, in some ways, this has been DCNR's way to acknowledge some of those differences, I think. Cause they, yeah, we have a big state, and it's a it's a really cool way to do it because you're you're getting large groups of people together in in geographically, topographically, or economically, or environmentally similar ways or spaces. And are people, are the participants open to this? I mean, the folks you're working with, do, oh they, do they get it? They totally get it. And I think I'm really lucky to be in a landscape that has been around for as long as it has. Um, it's really interesting to me because, as you know, I just came off of a meeting with all of the landscapes and the uh, leadership staff at DCNR. And the support behind this program, the enthusiasm, the number of on-the-ground projects that are getting done around the state through this model was really impressive. It really works. And I think it works because I kind of alluded to before, you're taking larger long-term goals and matching them up with the people who are living and breathing the work on the ground and and bringing that together. So there's huge support for it and the people who are doing it I think feel empowered. All right. So building on this success and there are seven, we're about to embark on another one. Um, tentatively named Glacier's Edge, going from Pittsburgh to Erie, generally speaking, bounded maybe by the Allegheny River to the east, the Ohio border to the west, with a lot of state parks from McConnell's Mill, Moraine, Point State Park, Presque Isle, uh, several others, as well as the Erie National Wildlife Refuge. What are you thinking for that? This is um, such an exciting project that the region you just described is sort of the last frontier of Pennsylvania. It's the last 
big area that doesn't have a landscape and it is perfect um to be a large landscape because of exactly what you described all that green space and all those parks and the na- the number of people traveling from Pittsburgh to Erie from Canada down to Florida um, through that corridor who are not aware of what it w- what's all- what's just right off the highway or if they are they go for a day and they could be really partaking in all of this wonderful stuff for several days but we need to help them understand how to do that and we need to create the infrastructure to make that easy to do to go from park to park and there's so many other amenities up there as well i mean there's antiquing there's hunting there's it's just such a cool place so as the landscapes go forward they're not a new jurisdiction there are no government regulations with them this isn't you know something that's being imposed on people this is sort of voluntary and it's partnerships of Nonprofit organizations, tourist promotion agencies, chambers of commerce, groups getting stuff done along with DCNR and other state agencies. And you know, you've said that there are a lot of projects. Is this the model that you think can translate easily to that new landscape? Definitely. What I hope we end up doing is getting out and just gathering data, like talking to everyone, not not just people who are doing this as their work, as their paid work, but people who are participating in the landscape as users, getting all the information we can about what's there, what turns people on about it, and what we need, what's missing to make it a cohesive landscape. What's missing politically? What do we have to do to get people working together from community to community? What are the priorities of those people living in those communities? What's important to them? What do they see it looking like? Not just what we think it looks like. So what's the big goal for 2017? Glacier's Edge, what do you want to get out of 2017? I want to get out of uh, Glacier's Edge a big fat green light that this is an excellent idea with a plan of how to take it to the next step and make it a a legitimate, bona fide, financially supported uh, landscape with a big grassroots coalition eager and ready to work with us. Marla, thank you so much. Uh, Marla Papernick, who is working on conservation landscapes for PEC uh, out of the Pittsburgh office. And at some point, we'll also be talking with Janet Sweeney, who is spearheading the effort in the Poconos uh, and conservation landscape uh, in the northeastern part of the state, as well as the Northeast Trails Forum. So Marla, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll be doing this again. Good. Thank you. Marla Papernick speaking with David Woodwell. Marla's a program manager in PAC's Pittsburgh office where she coordinates the Laurel Highlands Conservation Landscape and soon the Glacier's Edge. And that's the show for this week. We'll be back next Friday. Until then, you can stay in touch with the Pennsylvania Environmental Council on Facebook and on Twitter at PECPA, and of course on our website at PECPA.org. There you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, learn more about upcoming events in your area, and keep tabs on environmental bills and regulations moving in the state capitol using the PEC Policy Bill Tracker. It's all at PECPA.org. I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening.